Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Publicity Podcast, public relations tactics and marketing strategies for your business. Hello and welcome to the first ever Publicity Podcast with me, Pete Walter. I am a former TV producer. I've worked for Channel 4, the BBC, MTV and 5 in the UK. I've worked for BBC News for four years. I've also written articles for broadsheet newspapers in the UK and many significant blogs online, including business.com and the Daily Telegraph. So... I know a thing or two about getting publicity for my business and for other people's businesses as well. And over what I hope will become a very long-running podcast series, I'm going to be talking to people who have succeeded in getting amazing publicity for themselves and their businesses through the media. Now, this is not only online media, but also what some people call traditional media as well. So newspapers, magazines and television and radio. From time to time, I'll also be creating some mini tutorials about things that you can put into practice straight away that are really going to make a difference in the publicity for your business. So whether you're a startup, a small business or a medium-sized business, I know that there's going to be a ton of information that's really going to help you out. So in today's episode, we have got one of the poster boys in the UK for generating your own PR. In a hugely informative interview, I spoke to Henry Pryor, a property consultant from just outside London in the UK, who has made over 500 appearances on the broadcast media over the last 10 years. So much so that he rightfully calls himself the BBC's favourite property expert. As you'll hear, doubling down on PR as a strategy has paid huge dividends for Henry and he's managed to create a media profile equal of some really, really large property agencies, all whilst maintaining his status as a solopreneur or a one-man band. So let's jump right in. So Henry, could you tell me a bit about what you do and um, some of your experiences with the media? So I'm Henry Pryor and uh, I am first and foremost an estate agent. I buy houses rather than sell houses for people. Um, I've been in the business for about 25 years. I work for the majority of that for two of the bigger, more national brands uh, and went out on my own uh, over the last 15 years. Um, And uh, as a one man band struggling with a very modest and definitely finite budget, uh, I had to make the decision of the balance between traditional advertising and PR. Now, I made the decision early on that PR provided me with uh, what I regarded as a much bigger bang for my buck. Uh, And with the help of some uh, great friends uh, in the PR world who were able to show me the ropes, but something that I honed and something that I made uh, the most of enabled me to develop something of a a modest media profile, uh, which has become invaluable in the day-to-day work that I do. So you first got onto television radio, for example, through um, friends in the PR industry recommending you to journalists. Is that right? No. What happened was that um, the, the, about the only lesson I've ever learned about PR is um, that uh, there is cause and effect. And of course, um, there's, a, there's a great deal of uh, being in the right place at the right time. 
Um, but the important thing to, um, to, to work out is what is it that journalists want? And in the world of, uh, of broadcast media, radio, TV, what they want is, some, uh, is usually um, current rather than anecdotal historic evidence uh, to, to make a story stand up. And if you've got something that can ride on the back of current news and the current news cycle, uh, then so much the better. So back in 2007, these are the days before any of us had learned the words northern and rock, uh, I put out what I have to admit was a pretty speculative fishing expedition of a, of a press release that basically, uh, that basically um, had the hypothesis, is this the top of the housing cycle? The housing market um, moves in a sort of oscillating wave between peaks and troughs. And I could have and probably did say it uh, every month for the preceding 18 months. But at this particular moment in time, in uh, Christmas 2006, uh, the Financial Times um, journalists, the, the serious grown-up Financial Times journalists were on holiday. They'd all gone away skiing or stay with their friends for Christmas. Uh, and they left the uh, a skeleton staff who panicked about what on earth they were going to put out on the New Year edition of the FT. And they picked up this press release that I had put out, um, as I say, speculating on whether this was, whether we're going to look back and see the previous year, 2006, as being the top of the housing market. Now, this could have been any story. Uh, it was great. I was just very fortunate with my timing. Um, and, and I had learned from um, friends uh, in the business about how to write a press release so that the FT journalists could just copy, effectively copy and paste what I put out and drop it into the FT, which they duly did. Two days later, the Today programme at the BBC uh, were trying to work out what on earth they were going to do to fill uh, their three-hour slot uh, on the 2nd of January 2007, and naturally assumed, perhaps, that uh, if it was something written up in the pink paper uh, in the FT, then it would probably properly checked and probably stood up. So they rang me up and said, I gather you think that perhaps house prices have peaked. Nobody else thinks that this is the case. In fact, everybody else thinks that the party will continue to run. Um, would you like to come in at 6.15 in the morning and talk about it? And um, like an idiot, I said, yes, I'd be delighted to. And like an idiot, I went in. And like an idiot, I regurgitated my story and presumably made passable sense. And the rest, as they say, is history. You now get asked back again and again and again on a regular basis. Um, and uh, I just wondered what you think it is about your performances and what you say that keeps the journalists phoning you up and, and keeps you going back into those television studios and radio studios on a, on a I mean, is it a weekly basis or, or, or more often than that? Well, um, it's not a talent, and it's certainly not because I've got something interesting to say. I have three golden rules when it comes to broadcast journalism and, and how to treat the ladies and gentlemen of the press. And the first is that if I'm invited, I always say yes. So the rest of my life, tragic though it will sound, <laughs> it's a back seat. If you are invited to um, give a three-minute or take part in a three-minute interview on the Today programme with an audience of five or six million people, uh, then, unlike some people who bizarrely will say, ah, do you mean tomorrow? No, sadly, I can't do tomorrow, but I could do a week on Friday. These guys, these journalists are trying to book their acts for the next, for the, for the following day. They don't, they're not really interested in what, when it would suit you, it's about when it suits them. So the first thing I do is always say yes. The second thing is, having said yes, I always turn up. So you cannot possibly say yes to an invitation to do TV or radio and then ring up near the time um, and say, I'm terribly sorry, I've got a hangnail, I haven't got a tie that matches my, my shirt, 
if you say you're going to do it, you must do it. And the third thing is that um, I won't let them down. So I don't F, I don't blind. There's no um, dodgy conversation or, or quick comments that might be a little risque or out of place. In many respects, it's very boring. But, but I recall, again, the advice I received, which is that these guys have, in a rolling news cycle, three minutes or four minutes to fill. And what they're looking for is somebody reliable, dependable, who won't um, cause complaints, uh, cause the switchboard to, to light up with people ringing in to complain, um, where they won't have to worry about whether I'm actually going to pitch up. And if I've actually got something interesting to say, well, frankly, that's a bonus. And I always obviously try to have one thing that might be vaguely either humorous, amusing perhaps, uh, or indeed informative. And that is the secret. If you're invited, if you're lucky to be in, enough to be invited, then go. If you say you're going to go, you must turn up. And then don't let them down. Make sure you've got something vaguely interesting that they, they, they and their audience might want to hear. And I find that, again, although contrary to something that I was told by, by people but when I started, I always ring up or drop an email or tweet the, the journalist that booked me and the journalist or presenter who, I, who interviewed me, if they're different, and thank them for taking the trouble. And very few people appear to do this, particularly guests appear to do this. Um, so if you can take the trouble to treat them as a human being, um, the, 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 again, I suspect that that is something that they enjoy, they like. Um, and uh, as a result, hopefully, uh, that contributes to the, their enthusiasm to get you on again. If you're dependable, if you, do, uh, if you can do these things without letting the, 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 the broadcaster down, um, they, they've always got a need um, to fill something either with the and finally slot because your product might be um, lighthearted or um, not something that, that they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. But equally, if you are... Um, if you've got, if if you are out there as an expert or as somebody who can comment on something on a reasonably regular basis, they will use you because, frankly, it's too hard to go and try and find and then to potty train somebody who can do what you can do. If you can deal with it, they love it, and they'll and they'll have you back time after time. Fantastic. And talking sort of bottom line, I mean, obviously you go back because um, perhaps you you enjoy the experience. I don't know, but but. But also, what direct effect has it had on your business, do you think, all of these appearances that you've made on, on, on the media over the years? Well, there's no doubt that, um, uh, perhaps irrationally, but there's absolutely no doubt that uh, if, if you appear on radio or TV and you're introduced as an expert or a, com a commentator, uh, that people believe that that is what you are. They, they, they will absolutely lap up what they're told uh, both in the printed press and in broadcast media, and in broadcast media in particular. If you are invited onto the breakfast sofa uh, in the morning or into the studio and therefore into people's kitchens and living rooms first thing in the morning, they will assume that somebody has checked you out and that you are therefore the person that knows what's going on. That is incredibly valuable. It's something that would take thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of pounds through traditional PR to try and achieve and probably more like double that if you were to try and do it through through advertising. So it's an incredibly valuable thing uh, that enables people who stumble across me perhaps online if they're looking for somebody. In, in my day job, um, most people will go onto the internet and check and see. They'll Google um, Henry Pryor and they'll find page after page after page of people saying, um, let's talk to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. Let's talk to our expert. Let's talk to the person, we, our go-to person. And as a result, rather like there are people like Simon Calder in the travel industry, 
Um, I've worked hard to ensure that I deliver something that um, the, the, the press considers to be authoritative. I do it without running down my competitors too frequently. I do it without being too light and frivolous of, of authority, although I'm quite capable and quite prepared to tweak their tail. Um, broadcasters, like most members of the press, unless you're dealing with the sleazier end, um, broadcasters by and large value their reputation. It's hard fought, it's expensive to run, and they don't want it shredded by some Johnny-come-lately who pops onto the sofa for one and only time. So it's, it's sort of two-way street um, in terms of the trust that you, you've built up. So the work I do, the media work I do, the appearances on radio and TV, fundamentally give me the credibility when people are checking out you know, should we be talking to this guy that my friend, my auntie, my mother, my father, my boss has recommended? Should I be should I be dealing with this person? And the answer is, frankly, if they're trusted by the BBC or by ITV or by Channel Four, then they probably know what they're talking about, and they're the people I want doing my business. Is there ever an, an immediate effect that that you get after a, an appear, appearance on television, for example? You know, if, you're, if you turn up, if you sit on the breakfast sofa on BBC uh, One in the morning, or go into the Today Studio on Radio Four, when I walk out, the first thing that happens is my iPhone goes bing, 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 <laughs> with emails and, and text messages and tweets coming in. Some of them will be light-hearted and frivolous. Will be friends and family teasing me and suggesting that I need to look like I needed a good sleep. Some. <laughs> The clients saying, gosh, that's interesting. I hadn't realized that that was occurring. Some will be potential clients or, potential, or other people wanting to ask my opinion about something. There may be other um, members of the media who will say, I saw you this morning or I heard you this morning. We, could you, uh, would you come and talk to us or come on to our program and talk about, what we're about, about the same thing? So it leads to a multitude of, of, of opportunities, um, some directly uh, commercially beneficial and some indirectly commercially beneficial. This is a hard question, um, and I understand if you don't want to answer it, but is there a percentage of your business that you can um, credit to your appearances on the media, do you think? Yeah, I mean, the success of my business um, is jolly difficult to, to quantify in terms of pounds, shillings and pence, but um, I'm a one-man band, and yet I have a media profile uh, that many companies would envy. Um, I, I'm extremely conscious of the fact that that is incredibly hard won and very easily lost. Uh, but that contributes at least 50, if not more, percent uh, of the success of my business is down to the fact that um, people, uh, once they know me, of course, discover that I'm a complete charlatan, a fraud, and hopeless, shallow, as deep as a puddle. But in the meantime, they're impressed because the internet and the media support and build this credibility, which is so vital in the world that I operate in commercially, uh, and maybe for those of you who are watching this particular program at the moment. And um, if anybody wants to find you, where are the best places that they can go and do that? Well, I have a website, henrypriorallonword.com. I'm online uh, at Henry Pryor. Uh, those, uh, if, you, if you go to those two outlets, you'll find far more information than you could possibly need. Thank you very much, Henry. That was absolutely fantastic. Wow, what a fantastic interview there from Henry. As you can hear, he's an incredibly interesting, funny guy. He's also a great media performer. And that's something that, as he said himself, he's honed over the years. If you watch his early performances, which you can on his YouTube channel, you'll see that he wasn't so good to begin with, but just that practice, the fact that he's come back again and again and again over 500 times on the BBC alone, I think, proves that you do get better with practice 
and anyone can become an effective media performer if you just follow a few basic rules. I've written a summary of some of the main points that Henry made, including his three golden rules for dealing with the media. And you can find that at dealwiththemedia.com slash one. If you want to find out how the media could help your business or your startup, you can contact me via dealwiththemedia.com or via Twitter, which is at dealwithmedia. So I look forward to connecting with you there. In the meantime, thanks for listening and I hope to see you in the next episode where another entrepreneur who has had success with the media will share their secrets and tips for the top. Bye for now. The Publicity Podcast. For more, visit dealwiththemedia.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.